You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome to Ask Concussion Doc, episode number 39. This episode is titled, What is the Best Way to Protect Yourself from Getting a Concussion? So we get a lot of questions about helmets. What's the best helmet to wear? Uh, I recently had a football coach reach out to me saying that he's looking for new equipment for his football team, wants to know what type of helmet is the best one to get. Um, We get this all the time from parents and athletes as to how to best protect themselves from concussion. And so this was uh, an obvious choice of topic for us. And so let's get into it. Is there a better helmet? Okay, what about mouth guards? Mouth guards is another topic that gets brought up quite a bit. First, in order to dive into this topic, we have to first understand what a concussion is. Concussion is caused by acceleration or deceleration of the brain inside of the skull. When the brain Go, undergoes that acceleration or deceleration, the brain tissue actually stretches a little bit. And when it stretches, it creates a stimulation of the brain tissue and it causes it to fire. And that's what brings on the symptoms of concussion. And that's due to, like I said before, acceleration or deceleration of the brain inside the skull. So when you're thinking about helmets, you're talking about something outside of the skull. Well, if the head whips back and forth like this, and the brain is moving inside the skull, it doesn't matter what you've wrapped the outside of your head with, the brain is still moving inside the skull. Um, You don't even have to be hit in the head to get a concussion injury, right? If you get hit in the body, and again, like I said, this whipping motion of the head back and forth, the brain's gonna be moving inside the skull and that's what's creating that stretching of the brain tissue as it undergoes that trauma. So when you're looking at helmets, there have been a couple studies that have done kind of head-to-head comparison analysis of various helmets in both football and hockey. And some of them have shown that this helmet is better than that helmet, and this helmet is better than that helmet, and whatever, okay? But on the other hand, there have been other studies that have shown absolutely no difference. So the evidence on this is mixed. So some studies show some differences, some studies show no differences at all. When you look at the bulk of evidence together, what we can safely conclude is that helmets do not prevent concussion injuries. Helmets are designed to prevent skull fractures. So when you have a direct focal impact to the skull, let's say of a baseball or a hockey puck or a fist, if the helmet is on the outside of the skull, that force hits the helmet and dissipates outwards so that the trauma to the actual head is less focal, it's more diffuse, which means it spreads that force out over a larger surface area which can prevent the skull from cracking underneath. If that same force were to hit in a small area, like with a hockey puck or a baseball, you risk cracking the skull. So the helmet itself is protected for skull fractures. That's what it's designed to do. But even as that force dissipates outwards, you're still gonna have the same acceleration momentum force that's gonna move your head back and forth that's gonna cause the brain inside the skull to shift with it. So that's why helmets can't prevent 
concussion injuries, at least the ones we have currently. There's some new technology coming out. We haven't really studied it, um, and so we'll have to kind of stay tuned on that. There's been one study, uh, Greenhill 2016, found that helmet fit might matter. So it took a group of football players and they found that those that had better fitting helmets versus those that had poor fitting helmets when they did get concussions and they didn't say that there was a reduction in concussions necessarily but they said when they did get concussions the group that had properly fitting helmets seemed to recover faster and had less symptoms than the groups that had poor fitting helmets so that might indicate some severity of the injury so properly fitting helmet may be important so i think that that's one takeaway we can take with the helmets make sure it's a good fit um, how about headgear in soccer or headgear in rugby Right? You take sports that traditionally do not wear helmets and the logical thing that most people think is, well, let's put a helmet on them so we can prevent concussions. Well, like I said, it doesn't really matter. Helmets are designed to prevent skull fractures. So if we put headgear on somebody, is it going to really prevent concussions from happening? And the answer is really no. So some studies show that there is some slight improvement, some studies show that there's no improvement whatsoever, and if you think about it logically from a mechanistic standpoint, from a biomechanics standpoint, the head is still gonna get undergo acceleration no matter what you kind of wrap it in. So um, this is one of those things where it's probably more of a PR thing than anything. You know, Look at what we're doing for soccer. We're making people wear headgear now. Meanwhile, it's not gonna have any actual effect on reducing concussion risk. Mouth guards, I don't even know what the thinking was here uh, of why this rumor even started that a mouth guard could prevent concussions. Um, it's something that goes on the teeth. Well, how can something on the teeth prevent the brain from sloshing around inside of the skull? I mean, one thing I could maybe envision is if a punch came up from the bottom or something and your teeth clacked together, if there was some sort of barrier there to reduce that force and reduce that acceleration, maybe. However, even then, it's a thin layer of you know plastic rubber material. How is that going to actually have any type of reduction in the acceleration of the head and the brain inside? Um, it seems very unlikely to me. However, there have been a handful of studies that have examined this. They've looked at mouth guards versus no mouth guards, uh, and they've also looked at just store-bought mouth guards versus um, like dental fitted, you know, the expensive, you know, really good ones. Um, and the evidence is kind of mixed. Some studies show that mouth guards have a slight protective effect. Some studies show that they don't have any type of protective effect whatsoever. And a systematic review that was done prior to the Berlin Consensus, which is the International Consensus Statement on Concussion and Sport, uh, which was done by Carolyn Emery, uh, at the University of Calgary, their group does a lot of work on concussion prevention and they found that there was a non-significant protective effect, meaning that if you take the bulk of studies done on mouth guards, there shows a slight protective effect, however, it's mixed. So some studies show some protective effects, some studies show no protective effect, and it's kind of leaning towards a slight protective effect. Now this in no means, by no means, means <laughs> that mouth guard is going to prevent a concussion from occurring. So just because you have your mouth guard in doesn't mean that you're safe. Okay, the concussion is still likely to occur. However, you may have some added protective effect by wearing it. Mouth guards are meant to prevent dental injuries and, and fractures of the teeth. Very important to wear um, for that reason. However, don't 
believe that because you have your mouth guard and you're preventing concussions from occurring because um, that's not likely to be the case. Next strengthening. Uh, we covered this extensively, not really extensively, but we covered it in episode 16 along with some other topics. So for those of you on the podcast, if you want to dip back to episode 16 to hear more about neck strengthening um, as a possible protective effect on concussion, you know, by all means go and do that. I'll give a quick summary here. Remember what I was saying about acceleration and deceleration of the head. So it's the brain inside the skull. Well, if you think about how that brain or how that head is going to move, it's going to need the neck to be moving with it. If the neck was stable, let's say your neck had absolutely zero movement in it whatsoever, even if you were to get hit in the head, the only way to accelerate your head and and therefore the brain inside the head is that your entire body would have to move because your neck is now fused your head to your body. So think of it now as just one object and now your whole body would have to move when an impact occurs. Well, that's a lot of weight. That's a big long moment arm. And that means the acceleration is automatically reduced because if you were to get hit and your neck didn't move at all, the hit would have to be so substantial in order to cause your entire body to rotate around. um, And that acceleration would be so slow that you would actually reduce the head impact Um, and reduce the acceleration delivered to the brain. And there's been studies done on this. They've done finite element studies, meaning that um, they'll break down impacts and they'll look at all the different segments and they'll plug them into a computer system and try to see how we can reduce the acceleration of the head. So they've looked at things like helmets, protective equipment, and all these things. And the algorithms will show that the best way to reduce acceleration of the head is by making the neck stiffer okay that's a key point stiffer so then the idea became well what about neck strengthening what if we were to make the neck stronger theoretically if the neck is stronger you're able to contract it harder and keep it stiffer okay makes sense in theory now the studies that have been done on neck strengthening have kind of fallen short Studies have found that neck strengthening programs to improve strength of the neck don't reduce head acceleration. Preseason studies of athletes finding that those that have the strongest necks don't necessarily suffer less um, significant impacts throughout the season, meaning that their head acceleration is the same as somebody with a weaker neck. Um, you know, we can just logically look at NFL players and professional football players and think they got pretty strong necks, yet they still seem to get a large number of concussions. So neck strength by itself is not sufficient. Neck strength and neck stiffness are two different things. And the reason comes down to timing and awareness of your surroundings. If you are aware that a hit is going to happen, you're going to stiffen your body up. You're gonna contract all your muscles so that when you go into that hit, you reduce the impact to yourself, right? So you're gonna stiffen everything up, make everything one. So you're going in hard and firm. The person who is not aware that they're going to get hit will not be in a stiff position. They're usually the receiver looking over the shoulder to catch the pass. And then they catch it, boom, they get hit before they even know the hit is coming. Now this is important because when you look at the acceleration of the brain in concussion injuries, 
the brain and the head hit peak acceleration within the first six to 20 milliseconds of impact. So when the impact is delivered, the first six to 20 milliseconds is when the head hits peak acceleration levels. If we look at how long it takes you to contract the musculature of your neck, it takes, I think, 90 milliseconds to even initiate contraction of the neck muscles. It takes another 150 milliseconds to get those muscles to even one half of their contractile strength. So it's all about timing. If you're aware that the hit is coming and you have a good half second of time between realizing the hit's coming and the hit itself, then you can contract your body, stiffen everything, and then a strong neck could serve you well. If, however, you are unaware the hit is going to come, by the time the hit happens, you're already concussed before you can even think about contracting your neck. And so, you know, I had a lot of questions on this. I had a post on this on Instagram um, last week or the week before. And, you know, people were kind of defending the idea behind neck strengthening, right? The idea logically makes sense. And there's a lot of researchers looking at this idea. But the reason it hasn't held up to scientific scrutiny, I believe, is because there's an issue with timing. And it's because you can't stiffen your neck fast enough to protect against the impact. So if you are aware, it might help you. But if you're unaware, like the majority of concussions that occur, you know, somebody skating through the middle of the ice looking back for a pass, boom, they get hit, concussions already happened. So there may be some merit here, but it's not going to be preventative for the concussions you don't see coming. I'll leave it there. Next up, rule changes. Um, so the NHL eliminated hits to the head. Uh, they, you know, created fines and things like that for deliberate head, in, uh, head contact. The NFL has done the same thing. In amateur sports, there's been a handful of studies that have been done looking at removing body contact from different sports. And so in hockey, in the University of Calgary again, who does a lot of the research on prevention, found that eliminating body contact in peewee hockey reduced concussions by 67% in peewee. That's a huge, huge amount. Um, there's been research to find that stricter enforcement of penalties for high hits elbows to the head in soccer, rugby, hockey, all these different sports have resulted in marginal protective effects against concussion. Um, in football, in high school football in the United States, reducing contact practices to no more than two contact practices per week reduced contact to the head by 42% in practices and interestingly reduced it by 53% in games. I, that's, I don't know how that happens, but it did. So rule changes seem to be the most promising way to reduce concussion likelihood. Protective equipment, not so much. Strengthening of the neck, maybe in certain scenarios, but most concussions happen in scenarios where the person is unaware that impact's gonna happen. So this is why NFL players still get concussions. So in summary, best way to protect yourself is to avoid contact altogether right and in certain sports that's not possible to do because the sport itself inherently involves contact um, so if you're going to engage in high risk sports don't believe for a second that you're safe because you're wearing your helmet or you're wearing your mouth guard 
the only way to avoid concussion is to not get hit in the first place. That's it. That's it for me. All right, guys. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.